great future. We're talking real money. Hello again, and welcome to Talking Real Money, the daily podcast. I'm Don McDonald. Thanks for tuning in, listening in, whatever it is you do to listen to this. You don't really tune in. You just go punch a button somewhere, and it's magically there. Today on the podcast, we're going to do something a little bit different. I hope it works. It, it'll be fun. You'll, you, you should enjoy it. It's like, uh, I don't know, it's like eight minutes of something different. Uh, and we're going to take calls. 855-935-TALK is the phone number. Take a call. 855-935-8255. One of the topics that I've discussed multiple times is Wall Street's tendency to do a couple of things that are, well, slightly unscrupulous. One of the things they do is they give you what you want. They will tell you you can have whatever you want. This is particularly prevalent in the insurance industry. You want a high return with no risk? Yes, indeed. We can do that for you because we can do anything as long as it makes us a lot of money. So they, they'll tell you anything to make a sale. The other thing they do is try to make themselves appear more important than they are more valuable than they are through really mainly puffery you know we can predict the stock market we have these really complicated things that you just don't understand so you need us to help explain them to you it's it's part of our human nature we like to puff ourselves up we don't like being ignored we want to feel special and if you're on wall street you don't just want to feel special you need to feel special because you're charging a fortune for things that mean nothing to the client in the end really there is no credible evidence anywhere that any of this stuff that they talk about any of these long short products or alternatives there's there's just no evidence that any of this does individual investors a bit of good but they need to seem more important than they really are it's called baffling with bs or you could just fill in the word uh and uh recently i read a story i have a an avocation podcast called lit reading that is reading classic short stories and this week i posted a story that reminded me of wall street it's it's about a minister about a preacher but it reminded me a lot of wall street so i thought i would share it with you i hope you enjoy this week's ultra short story the fable of the preacher who flew his kite but not because he wanted to do so by george aid A certain preacher became wise to the fact that he was not making a hit with his congregation. The parishioners did not seem inclined to seek him out after services and tell him he was a pansy. He suspected that they were rapping him on the quiet. The preacher knew there must be something wrong with his talk. He had been trying to expound in a clear and straightforward manner, omitting foreign quotations setting up for illustration of his point such historical characters as were familiar to his hearers, putting the stubby old English words ahead of the Latin and rather flying low along the intellectual plane of the aggregation that chipped in to pay his salary. But the pewholders were not tickled. They could understand everything he said, and they began to think he was common. 
So he studied the situation and decided if he wanted to win them and make everybody believe he was a knobby and boss minister, he would have to hand out a little guff. He fixed it up good and plenty. The following Sunday morning, he got up in the lookout and read a text that didn't mean anything. Read from either direction, and then he sized up his flock with a dreamy eye and said, We cannot more adequately voice the poetry and mysticism of our text than in those familiar lines of the great Icelandic poet Icon Navrok. To hold is not to have. Under the seared firmament where chaos sweeps and vast futurity sneers at these puny aspirations, there is the full reprisal. When the preacher concluded this extract from the well-known Icelandic poet, he paused and looked downward, breathing heavily through his nose like Camille in the third act. A stout woman in the front row put on her eyeglasses and leaned forward so as to not miss anything. A venerable harness dealer over at the right nodded his head solemnly. He seemed to recognize the quotation. Members of the congregation glanced at one another as if to say, This is certainly hot stuff. The preacher wiped his brow and said he had no doubt that everyone within the sound of his voice remembered what Corollius had said following the same line of thought. It was Corollius who disputed the contention of the great Persian theologian Ramtazuk that the soul in its reaching out after the unknowable was guided by the spiritual genesis of motive rather than by mere impulsive mentality. The preacher didn't know what all this meant and he didn't care, but you can rest easy that the pew holders were on in a minute. He talked it off just the way Cyrano talks when he gets Roxanne so dizzy that she nearly falls off the piazza. The parishioners bit their lower lips and hungered for more first-class language. They had paid their money for tall talk and were prepared to solve any and all styles of delivery. They held on to their cushions and seemed to be having a nice time. The preacher quoted copiously from the great poet Amebius. He recited 18 lines of Greek and then said, how true this is! And not a parishioner batted an eye. It was Amoebius whose immortal lines he recited in order to prove the extreme error of the position assumed in the controversy by the famous Italian, Polenta. He had them going, and there wasn't a thing to it. When he would get tired of faking philosophy, he would quote from a celebrated poet of Ecuador or Tasmania or some other seaport town. Compared with this verse, all of which was of the same school of the Icelandic masterpiece, the most obscure and clouded passage in Robert Browning was like a plate glass front in a State Street candy store just after the window washer gets through using the chamois. After that, he became eloquent and began to get rid of long Boston words that hadn't been used before that season. He grabbed a rhetorical Roman candle in each hand, and you couldn't see him for the sparks after which he sank his voice to a whisper and talked about the birds and the flowers. Then, although there was no cue for him to weep, he shed a few real tears, and there wasn't a dry glove in the church. After he sat down, he could tell by the sacred look of the people in front that he had made a ten-strike. Did they give him the joyous palm that day? Sure. The stout lady could not control her feelings when she told how much the sermon had helped her. The venerable harness dealer said he wished to endorse the able and scholarly criticism of Polenta. In fact, 
Everyone said the sermon was super fine and dandy. The only thing that worried the congregation was the fear that if it wished to retain such a whale, it might have to boost its salary. In the meantime, the preacher waited for someone to come and ask about Polenta, Amebius, Ramtazuk, Corolius, and the great Icelandic poet Navrok. But no one had the face to step up and confess his ignorance of these celebrities. The pewholders didn't even admit among themselves that the preacher had rung in some new ones. They stood pat and merely said it was an elegant sermon. Perceiving they would stand for anything, the preacher knew what to do after that. Moral, give the people what they think they want. Can you see how that sounded like Wall Street to me? It's just, it's just so much BS, really. And kids, BS means bad stuff for now to grow up. Uh, so, oh, 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 oh. One thing I, I need to do is that was written in 1897. Uh, and uh, some of the language is... It's kind of strangely hip for the day. But there was one word early on uh, where he talked about how the congregants never referred to him as a pansy. Well, today, pansy's derogatory. But back then, pansy meant you were it meant you were a deep thinker. You were really profound and you thought deeply. I don't know how it changed over the years, but that's what it was back then. Just an interesting story. Now, if you'd like to hear other short story podcasts, just go to litreading.com or look up lit reading, L-I-T. It's like lip reading, but with a T, L-I-T reading on any of your favorite podcast services. And uh, you can listen to some stories for fun. It's fun. I hope you like that. And now we're going to sneak a call in at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Give us a call anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and leave your question like this one. Hey, guys. Uh, my name's Craig, and I've got a question for you on whether or not I am over-investing in Roth funds, and uh, also I wanted your take on employee stock purchase plan. So real quick, uh, currently I obviously invest in Roth IRAs for wife and I, so 12K per year. Um, I'm in a Roth 401k that I started this year, so 19,000 going to that, and then I do the 27,250 post-tax contributions taken out of my check that are then converted to Roth on a on a quarterly basis, so right around 58 grand a year uh, going toward Roth. <clears throat> and then I also do 20 grand a year. I can do up to 25, but I'm doing 20 grand a year in employee stock purchase plan. And then once I've held it over a year, uh, you know, if it's the right time to do it, I pull it out and, and use that to fund the next year's Roth. So um, wanted your take on on both of those topics and opinions seem to vary widely, uh, you know, with the lack of diversification when you're, when you're single stocks and in your own company. Uh, I have zero debt, house is paid off, worth about 350. I make about 200 a year. Um, I'm 47, looking to retire by 60. Uh, net worth is about 600K, 650, including the home right now. Uh, and would value your thoughts on it. I took your risk IQ, and it was in the low end of the high risk category. So 
I hope to hear you talk about it on the air, and I uh, appreciate you guys taking the time. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, I don't know who believes you have too much in Roths, but I don't think you have too much in Roth IRAs or Roth 401ks because you just you can't have too much tax-free money for retirement. I think all of that is great. Now, you did, though, state that uh, you were concerned about individual stocks, that people people give you differing opinions on that well yeah um some think it's okay i think it's incredibly dangerous and foolish you should not purposefully go out and buy individual stocks in any of your portfolios remember roths are a basket they're a vessel in which you place investments almost investments of any kind individual stocks bonds mutual funds whatever you want you can put in the basket the roth is not the investment the roth is the basket that holds the investments now if in those accounts you have a lot of your company stock really dangerous if you have company stock because you get a big match you get a big contribution that's great and it sounds like you're getting that and then you're selling some of that to fund your roth which If you're doing that with a diversified portfolio of mutual funds, I'm all for it. But own as few individual stocks as you possibly can. And I don't care how good your company is, how amazing your company might be, even the best have fallen flat on their face. So sure, participate in the employee stock purchase plan as long as you get something for nothing out of the deal. If you're not getting something for nothing out of the deal, then why would you want to do that? Just go invest. Uh, Otherwise, make sure you're well diversified in your other portfolios. And as you said, you're toward the high end of the risk quiz range. So you you probably need to have 20%, maybe 30% of your money in really good short-term, short-to-intermediate-term high-quality bonds. But otherwise, you can't have too many Roths. Again, you can call us anytime at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255 to get your financial questions answered here on uh, the podcast. Also, we're doing a lot of live shows on Como Radio in Seattle now that the there's no more uh, basketball preemption, uh, at least not for us, and no football for a long time so give us a call if you want to talk to us live saturdays between noon and two pacific time or three and five eastern at that same number you see that number is magical you can use it all the time 855-935-TALK 855-935-8255 and if you need the help of an advisor even if you never become a client we're okay with that we do have people who are ready to help you Solve some of these slightly more complicated issues than the ones we can talk about on the show. You've got specific portfolio questions. Go to TalkingRealMoney.com and make an appointment to talk with an advisor. It's free. There is no obligation. And you will not get any high-pressure selling because we don't high-pressure sell. We don't need to. We get plenty of business. We really do because we give stuff away. That's kind of the way this works. It's amazing. So go check it out, TalkingRealMoney.com. Lots of great stuff there. And thanks so much for listening. And also, you know, if you like the story you heard, go listen to my other stories at LitReading.com. That's Lit, L-I-T, Reading.com. Thanks for being there. If you really enjoy the podcast, please subscribe through Apple Podcasts or iTunes because they are the biggest of the podcast services. Take good care. I'm Don McDonald. 
We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That should keep the lawyers happy.